All right, that's kind of where we're going over the next few years here, and I want to say thank you to those that are getting behind this and getting involved with their commitment. Uh, we're challenging each of our folks, each of our members, to uh, do a three-year commitment. What could they do above their tithes and offerings over a three-year period? Some are just giving one-time gifts. Some are giving them over a year. But most folks are spreading it out over three years. And we want to encourage you to do that if you haven't already made a commitment. Next Sunday is our commitment Sunday. That's when we have the final tallying of all the cards that will be turned in or the people that have set themselves up online to give as well. And so those are the two ways. You can go online or you can also take a commitment card. We have a promotional table out here for our Next Gen 2023. And so if you would like more information about that or questions that you might have, there'll be a couple people manning the tables after the services today and you can get with them. There's also some promotional packets. If you never received a promotional packet in the mail, some said they did not receive it. There are some available out at the uh, uh, table as well. We want to encourage you to do that. So let me just kind of tell you where we're at right now. We're trying to raise $1.5 million, all right? By the end of April, we had over $500,000 committed, okay? So that's the end of April. Here we are now two weeks into May, and now we have over 800000 committed, already given in online giving or through a commitment card. The giving hasn't started as much so much as the uh, commitments right now. We're beginning the giving in May 29th, and that's how we're extending it for a three-year period, May 29th forward. But over 800,000, so we're over halfway there, and I'm very excited about that. All those who got involved to this point and have stepped up and said, I want to be a part of this, I want to help, I want to invest in this. Thank you for that. And continue, if you haven't made a commitment yet or filled out a card or gone online, pl please do so. That's just a wonderful way we can move forward with the cause of Christ and just even this facility and how it can be used in so many multi-purpose ways. And so I'm very excited about that, always have been, and I uh, want to see God continue to work here at Tribeps Church. All right, let me ask you to do this. Take your Bibles now to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to be preaching a message today entitled, A Discovery Moment. A Discovery Moment. And I'm going to be looking into the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I've been reading these widow stories. I've, I've read all the widow stories in the Bible that I could find. And I want to tell you something. It's just blessed my heart. I didn't even intend to use these for our our kind of our capital campaign push with next gen and thinking of the lifetime learning strategies for the future of this church and for our young people at any level from nursery on up into college age and that is our next generation and so we want to be invested in that and I couldn't help but be drawn to these widow ladies and their children that they were watching after and it wasn't even my intent to go in this direction but as I got into it I just was uh, Man, I was just so thrilled by what God was speaking to me in my heart. So let's stand together. I'm going to read verses 8 through 16 of 1 Kings 17. Follow along now as I read. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, please, get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me 
and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be emptied until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her house ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. You may be seated. I love a good widow Bible story. I'm telling you, these have been just a blessing to me. Here's this widow, and she's preparing a meal, a final meal for her son. She's gathering sticks, going to burn the sticks, cook a meal, and then they're going to eat and die. That's her whole perspective on life right there in a nutshell. Now, Elijah is called by God to go to this woman. She's in Zarephath. Zarephath is outside of Israel. It's not in the land of Israel. It's in the land of Syria. So literally understand that in the context because this is a powerful passage of Scripture. God steps out of the house of Israel and says, I'm not going to speak and work through them. I'm going to go to a Gentile idolater. I'm going to go to somebody that doesn't even serve me or know me, and I'm going to work in her life. Now that's amazing to me because God is always seeking worshipers. He's always looking for someone, even if it's not his own people. He will look for a worshiper. He will look for someone who believes him, takes him at his word, and then he begins to work in their life. And that's exactly what's happening here with this idolatrous woman. Now you have to ask yourself in the context, why would you go and use this idolatrous woman? Because Israel had got themselves through the kings, all the king, king after king after king, they had got themselves into these Baal worship rites and had gotten to such great wickedness and walked away from God. God said, that's it. I'm going to step out of the house of Israel. I'm not going to speak through them. I'm going to speak through a Canaanite woman that will put her faith in me for just a little. Just a little. Now, ultimately, so you know the bigger picture, this is a picture then in the New Testament of the Syrophoenician woman, which I preached on Mother's Day a couple of years ago, in the New Testament where she sought Jesus for her demon-possessed daughter. And she was of the same exact town that this woman was from. So it's a picture moving forward that the answer ultimately for the miracle in her life was Jesus. And that's what it is in the Old Testament. It's Jehovah here, but it's Jesus and that's really the idea in the bigger picture of things. So God steps out of that because of their wickedness, and they ignored the word of God in the Old Testament, and so God said, I'm going to work through this woman. Now, I want to give you a principle here about life on this so you understand this, why God would do this, because God wants to teach us this, all right? Here's my principle that I gathered from this. Spiritual poverty will always lead to financial bankruptcy. Some of you don't believe that, but that is going to be true in your life at some point or another. Spiritual poverty will always lead to financial bankruptcy. That's what's going on in Israel in 1 Kings. It is true of Israel. They go into poverty and into captivity, and they lose everything. It took them several hundred years, but it leads to, spiritual or to uh, financial bankruptcy. It's going to be true of the United States one day. You can see it happening. You know that. It's going to be true of society and it's going to be true of any home that follows or fails to follow this principle. Now, it may take a long time because the wicked can prosper a long time. 
So don't get worried about that, the Bible says. Don't worry that they prosper a long time. It may take a long time, but the truth of the matter is sooner or later, something will gradually eat it up in their life. It'll eat up its storehouses. It'll eat up all the things it's got built up in their life. It will eat it up. Their barns, their storehouses, everything will be eat up. And that's why you want to be careful of that in your own life because spiritual poverty ultimately leads to financial bankruptcy. It's true throughout the scriptures. It's true throughout the scriptures. And so the reason I come to this today is that God will bring you down to your knees where you got to discover him or you'll go down. You got to discover him or you'll go down. This is a discovery moment for this lady. And if the widow doesn't, uh, pass the test, she will go down too. That's why in this message today, I need you and I need myself to discover God in the middle of our crisis or we won't survive. We won't survive. All right, now, that's kind of the background on this, so I want to jump in and just do this story. I don't have an outline, I just have thoughts. I just had thoughts all week and I just didn't want to put it into an outline. I want to kind of get into the story and see where it's going, okay? Verse 8 says... The word came to him, go to Zarephath, go outside of your land. I've had a widow provided for you, verse 10 says. So he arose, he went to Zarephath. When he came to the entrance, the gate of the city walls, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. Now let's think about this for a minute, okay? Because I really feel burdened by this and I feel like the Lord spoke to me in a uh, personal way to my life. She's preparing her last meal. She's gathering these sticks. She's going to burn them, and she's going to cook this last little cake she has for her son and her, and then they're going to die. She's tried her whole life to hoard. She's tried her whole life to save because there's been a famine. So she's hoarded and saved everything she could, but now she's lost complete confidence. She knows she's down to her last meal, and she knows she has no hope for her situation. Everything has withered in her life. Everything has withered from losing her husband all the way down to having almost nothing. And hear it now, because you want to hear these little words in the Scripture. They come out clearer in the Hebrew, but you can hear them here. A little jar of oil, a little piece of bread, or a little meal. Okay, Those are the themes behind the, the passage. That's why you want to pick up on words that repeat themselves in a paragraph or in a story. And so those are the words that are going to be key to this whole story. So Elijah says to her, please, get me some water. He knows she's the widow God's called her to. And amazingly, here's what I want you to hear, amazingly, she steps out of her own suffering to get him some water. I mean, she is going to die with her kid, and she stops gathering the sticks, and she goes down to the creek that's probably barely dry, and she's going to get this man. She doesn't know he's a prophet from Israel. She's going to get him some water. She starts to figure out, though, this guy's got something about him that's different than any other man I met. And so she goes to get that water. Now, I think this is important. I'm not sure I would have done that. I think I would have kind of looked at this situation and said, hey, the creek's over there. Can't you see? You know, I'm gathering. This. I'm working here. All right? You came into the city. It's so easy for you to go get some water. Uh, you, go, go get it yourself. That, that's, sometimes that would be our attitude. But, but this woman, this, I, I think this is noteworthy here, okay? The miracle begins 
when she steps out of her own suffering. Now, I don't want you to miss that. Sometimes it's very hard to step out of our own suffering. We get so obsessed with what we're dealing with and what's got us down and what's got us bothered, but this woman is going to die, and she steps out of the suffering to go get him some water. Now, now I want you to kind of hold on to that. She's fixing a cake for her son and her to die, and she stops to give a stranger a cup of water. She may have been in a famine, but I think God looked at this and saw in this woman an exceptional woman. There's a reason she picked this woman. Because God discovered what was in her heart. This is so important to get. He discovered what was in her heart when she stopped to give a stranger a cup of water. She's about to die with her son in a famine, and she has a generous spirit. She has a generous spirit. She's gracious. She's gracious. I don't, I, I've, I've been with people who want to die and have literally tried to take their life. I don't see graciousness. I don't see generousness. I see them focused on one thing. I want to die. And so this woman is gracious. I, I was thinking of the verse again in Proverbs eleven twenty five. When you have a generous spirit, the Bible says, you will eat of the fat of the land. You will eat of the fat. didn't look like she was going to eat of the fat of the land, but she had no idea what God was going to do. Now, how do you know? How do you know she was so generous? Anytime you stop dying, <laughs> anytime you stop dying to bring a stranger a cup of water, when you could have said, go get your own water, your legs ain't broke. The creek's right over there. I'm dying here, Okay. She doesn't say that to him, but that could have been what she said. Now, she didn't argue or complain. She acted out of her own heart and just was generous to the man. Now, she didn't know this, but that one little generous act, she stopped her own death march. She had no idea that when she was generous to this man of God, she stopped her own death march. That's important. I want you to catch that. I want you to know that. When she turned around, the Bible says, when she turned to get the water, get it now, okay? The minute she turned to get the water, God turned the story around. He turned the story around. Because God's thinking to himself from heaven, I'm going to open up a door for that woman. She's generous. She's gracious. I'm going to do something in her life. God is saying to this woman, I may disrupt you, but I won't destroy you. I may shake you, but I won't break you. I'm going to work in your life. Now, here's the deal. You've got to understand the context now. In verse 11, the Bible says this. Let's just make sure we got it, okay? Verse 11, as she was going, so she turned to get the water, all right? He called to her and he said, now, uh, ma'am, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand as well. Now she says, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in the jar. Behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for my son and me that we may eat it and die. Everything shifts now inside of her. You know why? A minute ago she's generous, but now he hit a nerve. 
He hit a nerve. Can you be going along in the day and somebody say something to you and it hits a nerve? Something's going on in your heart at that moment when that nerve gets hit and you can't hold back and you just let him have it. That's exactly what she's doing. She just let him have it at that. She spills out her whole story, her whole story in a nutshell. She just tells that man. She said, I was going to get you water, but now you messed around with my family. He hit a nerve. You have messed with my family. Water, that's fine. That's fine. But do you know what I was going to do when I was gathering those sticks? Do you know what's behind why I'm out here like this? I got a half a meal. I got a little flour and I got a little oil. And I'm going to cook my son and I a little cake so we can eat it and die. That's what I was going to do. And when you wanted the water, I was fine. But now you want to mess with my family. And I'm not fine no more. He, Elijah hit a nerve in this girl. And something just awakened in her. And she just poured out her whole story, saying to him, it's all I got left. It's all I got left. Now, if you remember the widow from last Sunday, she was bothered by what she lost. I lost everything. This woman was bothered by what she had left. It's a whole different emphasis in the text. Okay, and I don't want you to miss that, okay? She says, I know exactly what I got left. I measured it out, and I didn't measure it with you in mind. I didn't measure it with you in mind. Here's what I'm asking you today, okay? What do you do when God wants too much? What do you do when God wants too much? What do you do when the demand is greater than the supply? What do you do? What choices, what decisions do you make with your life? Look at verse 13. Elijah says to her, verse 13, Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Now watch this. Go, do as you have said. But make me a little bread cake from it first, and bring it out to me, and afterward... You may make one for yourself and for your son. Talk about hitting some nerves on this girl. I mean, he is stirring her up. He says, go do what you're going to do. Now, what was she going to do? She was going to go, eat, and die. What did Elijah say? Go eat and die. But before you go eat and die, I want you to stop dying. And for just a minute, I want you to make me a meal first of that cake. I mean, that gets, that gets right down to the core of this woman's heart. He puts a demand on her demand. Before you eat and die, make me some bread first. Now, you have to ask yourself, what is being tested in this widow? What's her respect for the Word of God? That's what's being tested in her. She's realizing this is not no normal guy. This is a prophet from another country, from Israel. That's why she even says, as the Lord your God lives. As the Lord your God. He's not my God. He's not my God. He's your God. But I know something about you, because says, she says Jehovah. There's something about you. You've got a connection with this one. This man of God is what she's realizing. And so Elijah says, go and do it. Go, 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 go and die, but make me a bread first. And he's, God is testing her for respect 
to the Word of God. Here's the test. Do you esteem, do you, do you esteem your need over His need? Do you esteem your need over His need? That's the test. That's the test. Let me just tell you how those tests go with you, okay? Carnal mind says this. There's two minds. There's the carnal mind and the spiritual mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The carnal mind and the spiritual mind. The carnal mind says, I'm not thinking about you. I'm not thinking about you. I, I told you I was down and out. I told you I'm going to eat a meal with the boy and die. Go knock on someone else's door. Go knock on someone else's door. And that sets a precedence. The carnal mind sets a precedence. You know what the precedence in a carnal mind is? Hear it now. Family first. Family first. I got my kid, I got myself, and we got to think of us right now. Family first. That's very common in a carnal mind. Got to put the family first. You always got to put the family first. Okay? Spiritual mind. Spiritual mind says this. It's not enough anyways. I'm hungry. The boy's hungry. You're hungry. And this last meal won't fix it anyways. If I have to give you it first, at least it will set a precedence. Even if I was going down, I put God first. That's a spiritual mind. Even if I was going down, I put God first. Here's the power of the text. The power of the text is it's not that she gave to the prophet, it's that she gave to him first. She gave to him first. Now, now get that in your heart, okay? That's what unlocked this miracle. That's what unlocked the miracle. Unlocking the miracle was that she said, I'm going to give to him first. Well, she didn't say, well, if I got any left... If I, if, I got any, if I got any left over, I'll give you some. And that's how some people tithe at a church. That's how some people give to God. Let me just see what I got left. If I don't got anything left. I really can't give anything to you because family first, man. Come on. Family first. See, there's no faith tested in that. It sounds really good. Family first. But the truth of the matter is God's looking for something deeper from you. He's looking for something deeper from you. Family first. If she did that, she had never got her miracle. That's what I'm trying to say to you today. If she had done that, she'd have never got her miracle. The miracle is not about the prophecy. It's about the priority. That's the point. It's not just that she sought God. She sought God first. That's what God's taking note of. Now, let me just, let's just be fair to God for a minute, okay? I really want you to think this through in your own life, okay? Let's be fair to God, all right? Don't you get disgusted with people who seek you last. If your spouse seeks you last, don't you get disgusted with that? If your kid seeks you last, if your parent seeks you last, if your coworker seeks you last, don't you get disgusted with people that? After, after, you, after a person made a mess... They followed their own advice. They finagled things to make it work. Then they followed everyone else's advice. Then they lost a job. 
And not only did they lose the job, but they lost the car. Then they come to you. Then they come to you and they say, what should I do? You know what you're going to say? You should have called me five months ago. You should have called me five months ago. Why are you waiting now? Why would you put me last? Because you don't like to be last if you're a parent. You don't like to be last if you're a spouse. You want to take a higher level on that thing. But you brought me in last. Why didn't you call me three months ago when that all went down? Why did you wait on that? The truth of the matter is God says, I'm not in the business of being sought last. Let's get that about God, okay? He made you that way because he's that way. He's not in the business of being sought last. Make me first, he says. Come to me first. Bring me your questions. Bring me your prayer. Bring me your money. Bring me your worship. Not because you have to. Not because you have to. Because you want to. See, that should be ticking inside of you. I want to do that with my life. When do you want to seek the Lord? You want to seek him at midnight? He says, no, 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 don't seek me at midnight. Don't seek me at midnight. Psalm 63, 1. Oh, God, my God, early will I seek thee. See, he wants to have the first part of your day. He wants the first day of your week. That's why he wants you here on Sunday. He wants you worshiping and listening to him speak to you through my lips, through the worship, through the songs. He says, I want you on the first day of the week. I want you early in the morning. I want you with the first fruits of your offering. I want the best. I want your first. I mean, it's over and over in Scripture. I mean, there's so many places that God says, I want priority. Whenever God asks you for something, he will always ask you for your first, your first. He doesn't want an afterthought. He doesn't want you to have to talk to all your friends. I want you way before that. I want you way before that. God says, as soon as your eyes open in the morning, seek me early in the morning. Early will I seek thee. God wants to be sought early, early in the morning. You say, well, what if, what if I don't get up real good in the morning like that? Can I, can I get my coffee first? Well, you know, that's not in the Bible, but I would say for some of you, that's probably a really good idea, though. Get your coffee first, and then seek him early in the morning. He wants to be first. He loves that, just like you do with your wife, just like you do with your husband, just like you do with your children, and just like you do with your parent. Where do I fit in your life? You ask them, and God says that to you. Where do I fit with you? Where do I fit with you? It's beautiful. God says, if you'll just put me first, can you hear him saying to this lady? He's kind of saying this to the lady. If you'll just stop dying for a minute and put me first. <laughs> if you'll just stop giving up already and put me first. I mean, she's getting ready to die. And Elijah says, all you got to do is bake me a little cake first. It's not much. Just a little cake first. 
And then comes the promise. The promise comes at the end. Verse 14, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Verse 15, So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. She and he and her household ate for many days. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at this. She heard all that he said, all that he challenged her with, and she said to herself, I'm going to do it. As crazy as this sounds, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put him first. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. She does it. Now listen, I'm saying to you because I want you to hear this as a follower of God. It's one thing to hear it. It's a whole other thing to do it. It's one thing to hear it. It's a whole other. You can't just be a hearer of the word, James says, and not a doer of the word. Talk all day long about what you heard. Some of you are so good at hearing things, but you struggle to do them. You hear a thousand sermons. You listen on podcasts. You listen online. You're watching on YouTube, and you got it down. Listen, if all you had to do was hear it, you'd have it made. Because you could probably preach this sermon better than I could. Because you hear so many sermons. You hear so many things being said. But I'm telling you, if all you do is hear it, it won't do a thing for you. It won't do a thing for you. You, you. you heard it, but it doesn't work till you do it. It doesn't work till you do it. If she'd have heard it, and that's all she did, nothing would have changed in her life. But it's when she said, I'm going to go do it, everything changed. Everything changed in her life when she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's crazy, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the Bible says in verse 16, the flour was not exhausted and the oil was not empty. Simply put, I love this. She never ran out till the rain fell. She never ran out till the rain fell. Now, that's important because once the rain fell, then the crops could come again in the famine. And so the Bible's telling her that as long as there's a famine upon the earth, you will never run out, lady. Listen, he did not say the mirror barrel would run over and the oil would run over. That was the widow last week. That was the widow last week. Her oil ran over, but not with this widow. Whole different life, whole different story. It's beautiful to think about this, okay? Lady, you will never run out. Lady, it won't run over in your life, but it will never run out. You may not get the story of running over blessings in your life. God said, this running over blessing isn't for you. I'm in the business of doing a running out with you. You're never going to run out. And the truth of the matter is, that's how God works with most of our lives. We never really run over, but we never run out. That's how God's going to sustain most of us. We never really run over, but we never run out. Can you witness to this fact in your life? Would you just look at your life for the last 10, 15, 20 years? Would you just take a thought toward that and just think about that? You haven't run over in your life, but you haven't run out. Some of you don't have so much that you can brag about. Just take off work when you want, go crazy. You can't do that. You've got to be right back at it. Because if you don't get right back at it, you may run out. 
And that's how most of you have had to live your life. This is not a running over blessing kind of sermon like the widow last week, but you got something that every time you reach and every time you stretch, you never run out. You never run out. I love that. I love to think about that. I love to think about the blessing of that. God designed a miracle for you that might mean you're going to have to work for you to get it. <laughs> you might have to work for you to get You have to pour it in the meal. You have to put in the oil. You have to do a little shake and bake with that thing. You've got to work to get it, but you'll not run out. God said, I will provide for you. God says, I'm not sending you three loaves. I'm not dropping the manna down from heaven so you can just pick it up. Oh, no, I'm not doing that with you. I'm not doing that with you. I'm, 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 I'm going to send you... I'm going to send you handfuls of potential. They have the potential to provide for you, but they're not the miracle in and of themselves. You've got to do a little work yourself. I'm going to send you handfuls of potential that every time you stretch, every time you stretch, there'll be a handful of potential to provide for you. That's what he's saying to this woman. All you need, ma'am, is a little bit. That's why the whole story is around little. Little, little, little. All you need is a little bit, just, just a handful of flour, just a little oil. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's what you got to say this morning, okay? This is, what, this is why I'm trying to drive this into your heart. You, you say, I, I, I got a little bit. I got a little bit. I'm, I'm not running over, but I'm not running out, okay? I got a little faith. I got a little power. I got a little energy. I got a little love. I just got a little bit. I got a little bit of strength. And I'm telling you, when God gets ready to work, he will always use a little bit. I'm amazed in the scriptures how many times it comes back to this little, this little, over and over. It doesn't matter which story you go to. My favorite probably is the two fishes and the five loaves. We all know it. We all know it, but it's such a cool story. God will use it and multiply it. It's a little boy's lunch. How many people can be fed by two fish and five loaves? Well, the story tells you, one little boy. That's all that can be fed by one little lunch. And so the disciples took it into their hand, and the accountant took over, and he said, okay, we got five loaves, we got two fish. All right, I know exactly what we got. We know the count. We know the count. Now, God, how are we going to do anything with this? Well, the problem you got there is you got to take it out of your hands, disciples, and you got to put it in my hand. Big difference right there. Same two fish and five loaves, but you've got to take it out of your hands and you've got to put it in God's hands. Now, that's hard for some of you because you like to keep things in your own hand. But God says, I can't multiply it if you keep holding on to it. I can't multiply it in your life. So they lost count when they put it in God's hands. He took it, he blessed it, and he broke it. He took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it. And every time he broke it, it just kept multiplying into more and more and more. Why? Because he just took a little bit and he multiplied it. Because they took it out of the disciples' hands and the disciples said, we better put this into God's hands. And we put it in God's hands. God multiplied it and they lost count. One minute they could count it. Next minute we don't know what we got. We don't know what we got. 
God will use it. He will multiply it, and he will do what he's going to do in your life, but you've got to take it out of your own hands. You've got to give it to God, and then he'll multiply it, and you'll lose count. You'll lose count. He'll do it like this. He'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Now, either I made that up or that's in the Bible. It's that simple. They just can't hear it. Okay, you just can't hear that verse and say, okay, I got a verse. No, now you got to go out and do it. You got to say, God, you're going to be first. As crazy as that sounds, you're going to be first in everything. I'm going to seek you with my prayer, my questions, my, 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 the word. I'm going to seek you with my life. I'm going to seek you early. I'm going to seek you on the first day. I'm going to do, do what you want because you know what? I, I want to see you first. I want to see you first in my life. It's, it's beautiful. He'll multiply it and you'll lose count. This is a great verse too. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Ever thought about that verse? What are all these things? All these things. I'll tell you what they are. They're immeasurable. You can't count them. You can't count them. There's so many things in that that when you seek him first, he says, I'm going to give you the immeasurable part. Your accountant can't even keep track of it. Some of you are so tied to your account, you know exactly what you got. But with him, he says, you can't count it. You can't count it. But some people would rather have an accountant. Counting it. God says, give it to me. I'll bless it. I'll break it. And I'll multiply it. And you'll lose count. And you'll lose count. It's beautiful to think about that. The principle is putting God first. Make me a cake first. You believe me? Will you step out? It's not about sharing with God. It's not about giving God some. The blessing is prioritizing God. Prioritizing Him. He says, I gotta be first. I gotta be first. That's what you want with the people that you're close to. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. And the amazing thing is, He'll use what you already got. <laughs> He'll use what you already got. Let's pray. Just the heads bowed and eyes closed, I challenge each of your hearts here today. And one of my burdens is that you would not leave this place and say, the Lord, your God. Well, it's your God, Rob. It's the God of, these, of some of these people in this room. What I want you to be able to say when you go out is, as the Lord, my God, liveth. Just like she said. She said, the Lord, your God, but... When are you going to come to a place where he becomes your God and you can say, the Lord my God liveth? There's only one way you'll do that and it's where you humble your heart before a holy God and you say to him, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And I need you. I need you. Thank you for dying for me I believe in you for the saving of my soul. Wash my sins. Make me new. Make me new. There's the one that would lift up their hand this morning and just say, that's my prayer, man. I, I need Jesus. I need him to be first. I need him to save my soul. 
Would you just lift up your hand right now and say, that's me, I need to be saved. Just lift it up. Yes, there's one over there. Is there another? Yes, that's me, I need that. Is there another? God's speaking to you right now. Lift it up so I can see that. I want to make sure I see it if it's out there. Father God, I pray for this one hand. They'd be able to walk out here to say this, the Lord my God lives. Your simple prayer is, God, my sin deserves judgment. You died for my sin on a cross. I trust you to save my soul. Wash my sins. Make me new. Make me new. I want to speak to everyone in this room that the Spirit of God has spoken to during this message. This is a discovery moment. Have you put God first? Have you put God first? You don't have a running over blessing, but you'll never have a running out blessing. You'll never run out. I'm just going to pray that over you right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are our provider, our protector, our strength. Oh God, my God, early will I seek thee. God, I pray that spirit into each one here that's open to it. I breathe it through my words into their hearts. Not because they have to, because they want to. Lord, I lift them up for your purposes. Take the little take the little that we have to offer and God will make you first bless them now Father in this day I pray your honor and your glory over your word in Jesus name Amen